to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello and welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. We're on episode 54, Why We Need Mom Mentors. I'm your host, Jen Bryant. Today, my interview is with Sarah May. Sarah is a blogger turned author. She writes at sarahmay.com and is the host of her own podcast called The Complicated Heart Podcast. Some of the books she's written include Having a Martha Home, The Merry Way, Desperate, Hope for the Mom Who Needs to Breathe, and her new study with Lifeway is coming out this June called Psalm 40, Crying Out to the God Who Delights to Rescue Us. She's got a new book coming out in September called The Complicated Heart, which is part of her testimony about her relationship with her mother. I've actually brought Sarah on today to talk a little bit about the topics of each of her books because I have found her topics to be completely relevant to what moms are often struggling with today, whether it be feeling guilty for not keeping the house clean, feeling like there's so much going on inside of us that we can't just focus on what we need to focus on, and where in the world we're going to find mom mentors. That's what her book Desperate is about, which she actually co-wrote with Sally Clarkson. So Sarah's going to share a little bit about that with us today, as well as her own personal testimony of just getting through the tough times of motherhood. This is actually a very fun podcast. I loved her personality. She is very open and at times also very vulnerable, which I so appreciated. But just a little bit about Sarah May before we get started. Sarah May has found herself to be in the ministry of spilling your guts. Through the spilling of her own honest and vulnerable stories, she's learned that no story is too unsafe, no past is too awful, no heartache is too great that God's grace can't cover, recover, and heal. Sarah is the author of several books, including The Complicated Heart, Loving Even When It Hurts, which is coming out this summer, Desperate, Hope for the Mom Who Needs to Breathe, written with Sally Clarkson, and her Bible study coming out as a companion to Psalm 40, crying out to the God who delights to rescue us. She is also the host of The Complicated Heart podcast. Sarah lives in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania with her husband of 15 years, three kids, and her green-eyed yellow Labrador, Memphis. I can't wait for you to hear the practical advice and encouragement that Sarah has to share with you today. So here we go, episode 54, Why We Need Mom Mentors. Sarah, it is a pleasure to meet you today over the screen, but also just to get to know more of your heart after reading your one of your first books, Having a Martha Home, The Merry Way. Our Bible study at church went through this together, and it was just so fun. The devotional oh. nature of it, I just, I just loved your heart behind that. Mm-hmm. That's so, I'm so excited that you guys did that. That's so cool. <laughs> And it's such a pleasure to meet you too, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about what kind of led you to write Having a Martha Home, The Merry Ways. It's 31 days to a clean house and a satisfied soul. And I'm telling (laughs) you, it is. My soul was so nurtured after reading this book. And a lot of weight was lifted because just the house cleaning, all the things we feel like we have to do, right? So talk to us a little bit about 
not being a natural cleaner. <laughs> you addressed that in the beginning of the book. What is that like okay. and how did that lead well, you Well, let me just put it this way. My in-laws tell me I'm profiting off my disability. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, you know, it's interesting because they say like, well, you know, if you're diligent as a mom with your kids and you train them in the habits of cleaning and making their bed and blah, 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 they're going to grow up and do that. Well, I'm here to tell you that is not always the case because I had a stepmom who made me make my bed every day. I had to have a routine. I had chores. And the minute I moved out, it was like it all just whisked away. <laughs> and my default nature, apparently, was not one of uh, somebody who was naturally organized or good at cleaning, even though I had been trained in those habits. And so sometimes our natures take over. Um, and <laughs> so... But as, you know, I don't think that just because our natures are one way that we give in and say like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm just going to not care. So especially, you know, I knew that I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I'd wanted to be one for a long time. And when I started having my babies, I was like, okay, well, this is my job now. Like, I'm taking care of my kids and I want to take care of my home and I want to be good at this. And it was, it was just always a constant struggle. You know, I'd look up like how to clean and how to have zones and what to do and blah, blah, blah. And um, anyway, so as far as this book goes, I decided to, I thought, well, I'm an extrovert and I like people, but I'm very lonely in my home and I'm feeling depressed. And we only had one vehicle that my husband drove to work. So I literally was in my home all day with my kids. So I thought after starting a blog, because I, I needed an outlet, um, I decided to do this series, 31 Days to Clean. And I basically just told the readers like, hey, uh, y'all want to come along with me and clean because I don't want to do it by myself. And if we tackle this together, like maybe we can tackle different areas and, and do it together. Um, and as I went through that, you know, I, I just started to also get the, um, you know, there was the practical aspect, but then there was like this heart aspect of like, I realized that I had put so much of my identity in being a homemaker and having to be really good at it. And the breaking point, which you read, you know, in the beginning of the book, um, is when I'm talking with my sister-in-law. We're in this parking lot. I don't remember what precipitated it. But essentially, I was like, my husband would probably, you know, be happier if he was with somebody else. Like, somebody who was, you know, really good at cleaning, got up early, took care of the home, like, was more, quote-unquote, Proverbs 31, whatever. And I just felt like worthless and miserable and I hated my personality because I wasn't one of those women who was good at it and no matter how hard I tried I failed and that's when my sister-in-law said um, nobody has the authority to tell you who you are but God and through that and then some other things the Lord really led me to not find my identity in being a homemaker while worthy um, but to find my identity in him and so like I can be good at something or not good at something, whatever, but that's not the measuring stick of my worth. And so with this book, I wanted to be able to tackle sort of that practical, like, hey, you're not good at this. Like, I'm not going to be a boot camp instructor. That's not me. You, there's plenty of books out there for that. This is me going, oh my gosh, I totally get it. I'm just like you. Like, let's do this together and let's, but let's not forget the heart of it and who we are and what Jesus says about who we are. And that the better thing is to know him. And so if we are secure in him, then 
you know, we can do these other things and just making sure that there's something we do and not who we are. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that was that, a long answer. <laughs> no, you, you hit it right on the head, Sarah, because that identity thing is so deeply ingrained, especially for women who are educated and came home from the workforce to raise their mm-hmm. family. And, and the heart is here. It's like, you know, we yeah. love our home. We love our children. Yeah. We're, we're trying to make this work in our heart, right? But it's like, oh, I'm, I thought this would come more naturally. I thought I would just know how to take care of the house. Yeah, and I you thought know? I was just one big sinner for not being good at it. Like I figured mm. I was just, I must not be a good woman, a good mm. wife, a good mom, because you know, it was so difficult. And I realized, um, you know, I kind of started to think like, well, you're just undisciplined and you're lazy, Sarah, and you're all these things. And then somebody pointed out to me, you know, Sarah, when you write or when you do these other things and how God made you, you are disciplined and you're not lazy. And so perhaps like, yes, we have to push through the things we're not good at. You don't just give Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. But like, that doesn't mean that you're X, Y, or Z. Like God made you who you are and he's going to use who you are for his kingdom and his purpose. So Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And it's those inadequacies, too, that even keep us from connecting with other women. Yeah, I feel like. Right. Because okay, and comparing. Right. We know about the comparison, mm-hmm. social media, like we've been hearing this a lot lately. Right. It's yes. like, don't compare your life to people on social media. But really, when it comes down to it and you're sitting alone on your couch wishing for a friend. Yes. <laughs> like I know that my heart has stopped when I feel like, oh, I should call this person. Oh, but my house is not clean or her. She yes. keeps things better and I don't want her coming over and judging me <laughs> or vice mm. versa. Like somebody's afraid to come into my home because I keep things a little tidier than they do. You know, it's like, yeah. just stop. And then we just meet at the park because we're at nobody's home <laughs> and yes. it's fine. But, but those re- recognizing and catching those things that stop us from making genuine connections with other people. Yeah. It's really hard, right? Yeah, it's funny. So I do a couple of things. When I have people come over, I would either go into hyper clean mode and then be like really mean to my family because I'm like, you guys, clean up. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all for what? Like, so we can fake it for a day. And then I just started to relax a little bit and not quite be like that. So my house might be a little messy, but then I'd always apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, we've been busy. Like, I'd have an excuse. Yeah, yeah. And I finally got to the point where like... <laughs> If my house isn't perfect and someone comes in, I'm like, this is just how we roll. Like, have a seat. Can I get you some coffee? And I had a friend write to me who's known me for years. And she said to me, just out of the blue, she's like, I just want to thank you for letting me always come over and not feeling like you had to get your house clean first, which on one hand was really funny because I was like, oh. (laughs) But on the other hand, it was really sweet because she never felt like, she just felt like she could come in and be comfortable and be loved and be welcomed. And that's the connection point. It's not what are, now granted, you don't want people tripping over your stuff. Like y'all need to get a little clean, but it doesn't have to be like spotless or whatever we imagine to be good enough. Right, right. And the good enough thing often comes from those voices in our heads that could be from childhood. It, we could be hearing our mother, you know, like, I think it's important to ask ourselves, like, well, whose voice is telling me that this needs yeah. to be a certain way? And really yeah. owning that and saying, well, like, I feel like a failure if I don't meet that person's expectations. And maybe it's yeah. your own expectations. Like, so then like personalize it. Well, okay really hyper clean Jen is telling me that I need to look like this when God who do you say that I am and I love that you bring it back to that to that identity that it's also a chance for rest as well like our home needs to be that sanctuary for us and our family 
And we can't have it be that way if we're constantly berating ourselves for not good enough. Yes, and actually, I forgot to say something that I need to say because it's important. <laughs> Some people don't think my husband's this terrible man. When when I was comparing that and saying like, oh, my husband would you know rather have not. That was all in my head. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. my my sister in law goes, you know, has your husband in law ever said that to you? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, why don't? Where did that come from? Like, why don't you talk to him about that? And my husband's like no, I don't want a different wife. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I'd like the house to be cleaner, but like, I love you. And then he, and then we came to agreement. He's like, as long as I have a main space, like, I don't care. And he's loosened up over the years. I think the longer you're married and the more you know each other, the more everyone kind of loosens up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to say, my husband wasn't putting that on me. Although I know that's a very real reality for a lot of women because I get letters about it. And we did get used to getting fights over it. Um, but he didn't want somebody different. He didn't want somebody different. He just wanted me to like, you know, pick up some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just put stuff away. I mean, you know, things yeah. have a home. Yeah. Just put them back in their home. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, and I love how you address the the role of our kids in that too. I mean, I know mm. I was I was just talking to some mamas the other day who were in you know those early stages of life, and you can't expect your toddler so or your infant. Right. But once they get to a certain age, and and I've written a little bit about this on Practical Family and given kind of an an age-appropriate chore chart, too. But I love how you reinforce that in your book about, you know, your kids can do more than you probably think they can. (laughs) So talk about that. Like, what is the role, what can the role of our kids be and their seasons of life in contributing to the home? Yeah. Well, I think (laughs) there's a couple of things. I think that um, our kids can definitely do more then we probably think that they can. I think another issue is we want to do it all because if we just do it, we'll do it right. And that's not allowing our children to learn and do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that uh, you just kind of have to set the standard and then teach them how to do it. Um, You know, it's interesting, and I have to say this. When my kids were toddlers, and maybe a little bit older than toddlers, five, six, everything feels so hard and so big and so oh, like, how is this ever going to work? Like, are my kids ever going to do chores? Are they ever going to, you know, is, is everything always going to be messy because of their toys or whatever? The reality is, like, kids do grow up. <laughs> and while some things get harder, some things get easier because they can physically actually do stuff. Like, at this point in our lives, I have a 9-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. I print out a chore list for them, depending on what I want them to do. They have some standard things. And then I just say, do it. Like, this is what you have to do. <laughs> like, you can't play with friends or you can't have screen time or whatever mm-hmm. until you do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, there is that point. I want to encourage moms. There is a point that you're going to get to where you get to just say, like, hey, these are your chores. That's it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then once you complete them, you get to do X, Y, or Z. And that is really quite a relief because as toddlers it's more work you just have to keep you have to work with them you have to be teaching them you're constantly over them and that is not going to be like that forever the other thing you have to do is you've got to let go of perfectionism I could never if if I were if I wanted everything done right like I could never have my kids clean or do anything (laughs) and so I don't think you teach them to do a half job like we're constantly talking about finish the job like do it the whole way but like don't expect it to be perfect. They're not maids. Like, don't, you know, you're not perfect either. Or maybe you are, but you still need to let it go. So you don't put that on them. <laughs> and then here's the last, the, the other big thing. Because I'm not giving specifics only because every family is different. Every kid is different. You need to figure out what you want your kids to do and not do. But I will say this. If you're anything like me and you have a last born and they're your baby, 
you tend to think that they don't like they they're just not old enough to do that yet and it isn't until your older child is like mom I've been doing that since I was like five and I was like I know but they're different and like <laughs> I, I finally had a friend point out to me she's like in love and she's a dear friend but she's like Sarah um your child can do a lot more <laughs> than than you're letting her do and I and I realized and here's the important thing I want to say as parents sometimes we have blind spots and we have regrets and we have wounds and we have things and sometimes we act out of those instead of acting out of truth and freedom and I'm gonna give you an example so with my youngest I felt like she kinda got the short end of the stick like by the time she came along I was exhausted I had two other toddlers I did not spend as much time with her like reading to her tucking her in I mean I did those things but not like I did my first two and then I had stopped nursing her earlier than my others and I carried a lot of guilt with that and so for years I had this blind spot that I was really acting out of fear that I had neglected her that I wasn't good enough to her and the truth is that's a lie that's not true I loved her I was good to her maybe she didn't get all the things but she gets plenty of love and until somebody pointed that out I was I was acting out of fear and the problem with that is that cripples our children for the future because then they start to take on that identity of what we're putting on them. And so all to say, <laughs> uh, if you're seeing yourself act differently with your kids or there's a check in your spirit or there's something, ask God to show you your blind spots. If there's fear, ask God to reveal why that's there or how to help you push through it so that you can operate out of freedom so that when you're having your kids do chores and they push back or they say, you're not a good mom because you're making me do this and not so-and-so you do not have to operate out of manipulation or fear you can say I love you you have to do this <laughs> and, um, and then set boundaries and follow through and that's always going to be the hardest thing and you just keep doing it day after day and my mentor Sally Clarkson says one day it will click so that's what we hope for <laughs> absolutely just keep doing it don't give up even as the mom yeah. it's hard emotionally right because yeah. we have all these attachments to our kids and excuses oh and like it's like a huge big ball of love that we <laughs> caught in and then you know the anger comes out when we feel like it's not getting done right it's oh yeah. all these these things so thank you yeah. for saying that that is I know that that just gave freedom to at least one mom somewhere because <laughs> I connected with that before I read your book um, mm. I was probably in that place like giving a lot of leeway to things that that mm -hmm. didn't need to be, but then being extra harsh on certain things and like yes. hating myself at the end of the day for yeah. being such a mean mom. But And forgive um, yeah. yourself. For gosh mm -hmm. sakes, God forgives you. Like forgive yourself and move on. Like mm -hmm. really don't stay locked up in that. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so let's transition a little bit okay. to your, uh, your next book, actually, Desperate yeah. Hope for the Mom Who Needs to Breathe. And this one you co-wrote with Sally Clarkson, mm -hmm. who I know yeah. our audience knows and loves. Sally is amazing. She's written mm -hmm. all kinds of wonderful things. And we'll, we'll link to, to everybody in the show notes as well. But um, tell us about what, what that was like to kind of form that relationship with Sally and then what made you guys want to write this book together? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, God's timing is so providential, as we know, even when we don't think it is. And, you know, I had these um, two, I had, I had three kids when I met Sally. So one, I had a, I had a, let's see, she was like a year old and then I had my two toddlers. Like basically I have all these kids under five, all these kids, three, three kids under five, which, you know, feels like a million kids. <laughs> But I was also, because I was slightly apparently off my rocker running a conference for bloggers, <laughs> I don't know why I was doing all these things, but I was, 
And, um, and I was at this conference and I had come across Sally through some other friends. So I didn't know her personally, but I had asked her if she would speak at the conference and she said, yes. So we're at the conference. It's on the last day of the conference. And she walks up to me and she puts her arm around me and she said to me, have you ever been mothered? And I was like, come again. <laughs> and when Sally tells the story, she's like, I have never done that to anybody in my life. That is so weird. But God just like prompted her to do this. And so she obeyed. And I looked at her and I was like, no, like I haven't. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic. My stepmom and I did not have a good relationship. And um, so I'd never actually been mothered. And so she, her, in her obedience, the Lord met me. And then, you know, after that, she called me and she said, the Lord has really put you on my heart and I'd like to get to know you. And I was like, sure, okay, whatever. Like, you know, okay, she's saying that, like, she's being nice, but she's this author and this whatever. And, you know, we'll see how long this lasts. Well, she proceeded to call me like every week for the next, like, however many years. And we did, <laughs> we developed this relationship because she just kept pursuing me even when I was like real skeptical, you know, God had to break down a lot of walls of hurt. And, um, and so that's how it started. And then as far as the, the book goes, interestingly, I had been signed to write a book with a publisher, but we didn't know what book I was going to write. And I was thinking about the stage I was in and I was like, well, I mean, I'm kind of desperate. Like <laughs> I, I was feeling it and I knew other moms were feeling it. And that word just kept coming to my mind, like desperate, because I can remember days where I would wake up and I remember staring at the wall and I didn't have any help, and I don't mean help like a nanny or something. I mean, like, I didn't have a mom, I didn't have, I just felt so alone. And, like, I didn't have somebody to call and just be like, can you help me out for just, like, 20 minutes, <laughs> like an hour, I'm dying here a little bit. And um, I didn't have any money or anything, and whatever. And so I would, I would stare at the wall and I would think, I just can't be a mom today. Like, it was so hard, but, like, you have to, right? So you have to get up and you have to do it anyway. And, you know, I didn't know if I was the only one feeling this way. I knew other moms, you know, I'd heard of other moms having a hard time, but I just, I was really struggling. So anyway, I went to my publisher and I said, I want to write this book called Desperate um, because I need to breathe. And I feel like there needs to be hope. Like, I, I need that. And they were like, no, Desperate is so negative. Fortunately, I had a really awesome editor who, like, went to bat for me. And we, and so we got the name Desperate because I was like, I know there are moms who are going to go, that is how I feel. Because we don't talk about that. We don't talk about it in the church. We have to be, like, happy and we're doing a great job and we're, like, discipling our kids and we're doing awesome. And, like, the dirty little secret is a lot of women are drowning, like, drowning because they don't have anybody and they feel you know there's maybe depression and they're not sure what they're doing you know like they're not sure how to mother they've never been taught like they don't know and they're trying and it's exhausting and blah 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 all the things anyone who's experienced it knows what I'm talking about mm -hmm. yeah but I thought I can't write this book by myself because I can't give the hope part like I can give the desperate part because that's what I'm in and I know the truth, you know, like I could tell the truth, but I'm a mom of little kids. I need an older mom who's raised her kids to come alongside and write this book with me because I can only give so much. Like I can say the things, but I, I feel like you need wisdom. And I didn't have that from somebody who's done the work. And Sally has done the work. She has raised her children well. She was faithful, not perfect, but faithful. And she said, yes, I was ecstatic. And so we were able to write this book in a very honest mentor way, which is me being like, 
Sally, like, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I, you know, I'm going through. And then her coming in and saying, you know, well, you know, keep going and here's what I experienced and here's some stories about that that will encourage you. So I love the idea of the book and I love the book because moms can get like that real truthful side, you know, of like, if I have to tuck her in one more time, like, I'm going to go to the insane asylum. (laughs) And then Sally being like, this will pass. Like, maybe she just needs you to rub her head, or maybe you need to take a break. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so that's how that sort of all mm-hmm. came about. Gosh, that's, that's amazing. And I, and I think that's kind of like the dream situation, too, Sarah, to have a know, wise mentor mom pursue you like that. I mean, you know, let's... It's let, rare. Right, it, it is. So let's be honest about that. But but the truth in all of that is, is, is the need, right? We yes. have this desperate longing for someone to tell us that we're not crazy, that mm-hmm. this will pass, that it's mm-hmm. okay. And, and it seems small at, at the onset, especially for moms who are used to being that, like, take care of everything. Don't worry, mm-hmm. I got this, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, it, it's not a big deal. I'll handle it, you know. No, just right. you, you almost need somebody to, to reach into your life and just say, let's put a hand on your back and be like, honey, yeah. it's all right. It's okay. Even like, you're going to be okay. You're yeah. going to make it. That's yeah. what... Instead of, instead of, um, well, I did my time or, um, well, you made your bed, sleep in it. I mean, these are the comments that we hear even from the church. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that, the, mm. <laughs> no, can we just have a little compassion? <laughs> oh gosh. No. Yeah, okay. Let, let's talk about this because younger and older moms need each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. So talk, let's talk about this dilemma on both sides. Why younger moms need the older, which you mm-hmm. just mentioned. Which we all know. Yeah. yeah. But why do you think seasoned mothers need us what why do you think they need to be in that relationship with younger women I do know why because I've been hearing it and it is because they don't feel relevant Mm -hmm. so younger women are going why aren't you stepping into my life and older women are thinking because I don't have anything to say to you I mean they're in there's some insecurity but also they think maybe they're not relevant they'd rather look at people their age online like you know there's all of these weird um insecurities and irrelevance things like that that are just not true but I think that maybe we haven't valued wisdom like I think maybe we haven't gone to like we say we want to meet with older women but I wonder how many of us are reaching out and inviting an older woman to coffee like not going up and saying will you mentor me because that's mm-hmm. a little daunting right mm-hmm. but just saying like hey could we grab coffee together or um, could I meet with you for 15 minutes after church while we're still here and my kids are still in like the church nursery or something whatever so I think for older women they need to know that they are valued and or seasoned women. I like how you say that, that they are valued and that younger women actually do want to hear from them. And we need to not look for perfection in older women. OK, because when we're in a mentoring relationship, I think sometimes we set this ideal that we need to meet like the perfect, wise, older woman of our dreams um, instead of just another human who's done the work but has has dealt with their own failures and losses and weaknesses and and let's just walk alongside each other and encourage each other i think there's so much value there and you will learn just in that relationship you are going to learn from each other so just being there too that feeling holds true across the board even when we're trying to help other families maybe heal from hurts or heal after the loss of a loved one or something those principles still hold true because it's still like no just be there just be there you don't need to be there giving or or feeling obligated to give all the sage advice 
Right. It's, it's yes. kind of just enough just to be there and sit with me and be available when I need to call you. You know, how we do discipleship has changed so much because even when I was mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. young 18 year old in women's Bible study and we were going through these books, okay, we're going to go through this discipleship book together and we'll sit together. And right. it was like a commitment. Yeah. Not every woman is either disciplined or even is okay with what that looks like because maybe they've been betrayed by other women or they don't yeah. have that mother relationship, right? It's complicated. Right. And um, (laughs) this kind of leads me into your next (laughs) book. (laughs) That was so smooth, Jen. (laughs) I didn't even know I was going there. And then I was looking at the word complicated on my screen like, oh, the complicated Uh, heart. Let's (laughs) trust this. (laughs) But no, yeah, all those things are there, right? And I'm so glad that you've talked about them, Sarah. So your book, Desperate, Mm -hmm. Hope for the Mom Who Needs to Breathe, is out. It's out, available. But then yeah. this new book that you have coming mm-hmm. in September of 2019 yeah. is called The Complicated Heart. And I know that you do the Complicated Heart podcast as mm-hmm. well. But talk to us a little bit as we wrap up here about sure. what that is going to encompass. Sure. So The Complicated Heart is all about loving when it hurts. And so it's if you are in a toxic relationship or you are reeling from one, um, specifically in in a family. So like for me, it was my mother. How can we um, how can we learn how to deal with that? Set boundaries, mourn losses. How do we love those people? Um, is there you know how do we not say like peace out, sayonara? But like God, if you're asking me to love this person, how do I do that? But also, how do we in turn? love ourselves. And I don't mean in some weird new agey thing, but I just mean if somebody comes from a broken home, specifically with a broken relationship with a parent or a toxic relationship with a parent, that person and myself, speaking for myself, uh, we can tend to be real unkind to ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We question our sanity. We question, did we not do enough? Were we not good enough as kids? What could I have done better? Or just like, I hate this person and I hate myself for how I've let them hurt me. You know, it runs the gamut. And so it's very complicated. The heart is very complicated. Well, it's sinful. And relationships are complicated. And so what I'm really trying to do with this book is I'm telling the story of my mom and I because we had a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about how I learned how to navigate that relationship, how I learned to deal with it, how I learned to set boundaries, how I learned to mourn losses. And I take the reader through that process with the hope that they will have read it and walk away and go, okay, I think... I think that I can do what God asked me to do and love this person, even if I can't have anything to do with them. Like, so what does that mean, right? And, and I'm going to learn how to see myself as God sees me and not in any trite way. Like we're going to dig deep into some of the junk, you know, um, (laughs) that comes along with being in a toxic relationship or reeling from one. So that is my heart with that book. And really interestingly, a lot of moms who did not come from um, a home where they had a close relationship with their mother or there was a there was some toxic stuff going on there, they don't always know how to mother and they don't always know how to heal from the junk or even see what's going on there. And then, and then if we don't, if we don't deal with it, then we tend to put it on our kids. But if we deal with it, we will not damage our children as much. We're always, we're never going to be perfect parents. But the more we deal with our stuff, the more we come through healing, the more we experience freedom through, you know, in what the Holy Spirit does the less we're going to damage our children. So that's the complicated heart. (laughs) Mm, Wow. 
And I'm so excited about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, I imagine oh, that it yeah. was really tough to write, though, going yes. back into your It was childhood. awful. It was really gutting particularly because I, after my mom passed away, I read all of her journals. I found them and I felt like I didn't know my mom until I read her journals. And that of course was just gutting and awful. And I remember driving on a highway, just screaming at the top of my lungs, crying because I wish I would have known, you know, all the things that had been in there. Um, But yet God had done so much. And I tell that story and it's really miraculous, sort of all the things God did. It was difficult, but it was also like... I knew that I was supposed to write this book and I was faithful in doing it. And so I am the most excited about any book I've ever done. Like, this is the book. This is the book. This is the book. It's coming from your real life. That Yeah. Wow. I can't wait to read that one. And thank you for the bravery that it took for you to put all of those mm. hard things out there. And thank you for being diligent to help women to heal from the inside out. You know, mm. that's it. If yeah. we don't think we have particular talents or gifts to give to people talk about that negative self-talk right sometimes the the difficulty of our lives becomes Mm -hmm. that gift yeah and I talk to so many authors now who heed that call of obedience to write about the hard things and the struggle and that's what women need most right now and I'm so thankful that to have you on the podcast today but that you've been willing to do that so thank you yes you're welcome and I just have to tell you this real quick because I forgot about it If you or your listeners are interested, in June, I actually have my first Bible study coming out with LifeWay. It's on Psalm 40, and it's crying out to the God who delights to rescue us. Mm. And it ties, it's not, it doesn't come with the book, but it complements it in that the book is the story. But the study goes deep into like, does God hear our cry? What happens when we fear he will disappoint us? What happened when life didn't turn out the way we thought? You know, all of those Mm -hmm. questions. So Mm -hmm. um, I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. So this, yep. this study complements uh, the complicated heart or which book? Right. Like, so okay. they're not together, okay. but they, they overlap. The themes for sure are the, so the idea was that with the complicated heart, anybody could read it. You could even give it to your hairdresser who's telling you about her difficult relationship with her mom. You could like pull it out of your purse and be like, here, like it's, 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 it shares the gospel, but it's tender enough that it's deep enough for the Christian woman and it's tender enough for the non-believer, mm-hmm. but the study is like, okay, I need to go deeper mm. into this. That's when you would pick up the study. So you don't need one or the other, but they definitely complement. Got it. Wonderful. Okay. Well, we'll have all of those links up. So the June study on Psalm 40, that complements the complicated heart. Be sure to pick up Sarah's book, Desperate. And also, if you just need to get a little sanity back with your (laughs) homekeeping, having a Martha home the merry way is just an excellent book, a devotional book. It's short chapters. um, Mm -hmm. It's really specific. Easy to read. Short. It's super easy. And uh, you get to do a little Bible study in there, too, to, to, to be the Mary, but then you still get to be the Martha, and it's all it's all wonderfully balanced, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you oh, so much. Sure, you're welcome, sir. Oh, thank you. Now, before we go, is there one little tidbit that you would want to leave with that mama out there who's just trying to get a handle on her life? Maybe she needs a mentor, maybe she needs to clean, <laughs> whatever is on her heart. Yeah, I would say, that, I mean, there's so many things, but if I have to say one thing right now, <laughs> It's cut yourself some slack, like be gentle with yourself and, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time. That's it. Just be more gentle with yourself. You've been listening to my interview with Sarah May, blogger, author, and podcaster. 
visit her website at sarahmay.com and be sure to check out the Practical Family podcast show notes and blog page for any links that we mentioned in this episode, recommended resources, books that Sarah has written, resources that she has coming out. It's all there in our show notes at practicalfamily.org under podcast. Thank you for listening today. Hey, if you haven't signed up for the Practical Family Community Newsletter, go ahead and do that. Go to practicalfamily.org, click on the box that says Join the Community, and we will keep in touch with you about new resources that come out. Actually, this is the month of February, and we're featuring our printable Valentine's cards. They're educational Valentines that are perfect for your friends and your family. Another perk that you get when you join the community is that you get access to our freebie library that has over 40 different resources in there for homeschool for everyday life you will love it so go ahead and take advantage of that today thanks again for listening to the practical family podcast find us on facebook instagram twitter and pinterest if you would just take a second today and rate us on itunes that would help us to keep on encouraging you and families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes